I blame my Amazon Fire. Thanks you a lot, Amazon. Fire it. Hey. Oh, goodness. Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a fun deep dive down into the depths of those pop culture gems that you love to hate, or you hate to love. Uh, take two. One, <clears throat> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a fun deep dive down into the depths of those pop culture gems that you hate to love. I'm one of your hosts, James. <laughs> Say your last name, bud. Fight. This might be someone's first episode. <laughs> I've reverted back in time to when I first recorded a podcast ever in my life. Great. Welcome. I am now 17 year old. 17 year old. I, okay, I'm done. Pull up, James. <laughs> One, <laughs> two, <laughs> three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a fun deep dive down into the depths of those pop culture gems that you hate to love. I'm your host, James Fights, owner and operator and creative director of Flat Films. To my right, we have... Kenny Madison, chief archivist and general people manager at flatfilms.com. Please visit the website flatfilms.com. Uh, I'm Aaron Salinas. I'm editor, uh, background photographer, uh, official hugger uh, for flatfilms.com. Um, I'm sitting next to. Hey, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jeremy Moran again, coming at you with another fantastic guilty treasure. Uh, Jeremy, tell us what that guilty treasure is. That film is uh, Larry Charles's. 2003 debut feature, Masked and Anonymous. And in your own words, go ahead and give me the plot. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody shut up. Because <laughs> we're kicking off a big momentous we are. event. Sure. We are. We're starting theme months. Starting what? today. And there's no better thing to kick off Millennium March than when this obscure... Film that no one has ever heard of. Just highlights the entire millennium. Larry Charles has heard of it. Larry Charles has. I would hope so. I think Bob Dylan thinks of it every once in a while. We were a little yeah. apprehensive of the 2000s. Yeah. We had to wait until 03 to get, you know, cradled sure. and let know we're going to yeah. be okay. I mean, there's certainly nothing more emblematic of the new millennium than 2003's Mask and Anonymous. <laughs> It is. Directed by Borat director we, Larry Charles. We survived Y2K, and as our prize, we get Masked and Anonymous. Y2K is the one that you pull? <laughs> oh, <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Stick for, with it. Everything's the right choice. Nope, 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 nope. Yep. Y2K. Yep. Y2K. Right. We survived Y2K. We survived. We're here. And uh, Jeremy, go ahead and give me, just in your own words, yeah, the right. plot. <laughs> of that movie. Somebody name a Bob Dylan song, just any. Like any. a Rolling Stone? All right, now imagine if Like a Rolling Stone was 90 minutes long and instead of being sung was spoken by various actors instead of by Bob Dylan. This Masked and Anonymous is uh, basically a Bob Dylan song come to life. It is about a country in disarray that has some sort of post-apocalyptic feel. The government is evil in some way, and only Bob Dylan can save it through the power of music. Now, if you think that Jeremy is being indecisive, if you've watched this film, you know <laughs> that's the exact plot. He's well, spot on. Well, He's... Kenny, and Aaron, I'm going to read you the plot according to Wikipedia. <laughs> An iconic rock legend, Jack Fate, Jack Fate, great name, by played by Pop Dylan, is bailed out of prison to perform a one-man benefit concert for a decaying future North America society. The film touches on many subjects from I had uh, no futility. idea it was America. I imagine like South American maybe or because well, we did see the continent at one point, but I think California yeah. was underwater. It what? was such a small detail. It was filmed in, like, L.A., I think. 
In 20 so days, by most, the way. Most. Oh, oh, it was filmed in 20 days. It was filmed in 20 days. days. Wow. It feels like <laughs> The film touches on many <laughs> subjects from a futility of politics. That's it. The, confu- <laughs> the confusion of loosely strung government conspiracies and the chaos created by both anarchy <laughs> and 1984-style totalitarian. I can't say that word. Totalitarian? Thank you. Tortilla. I like that you're getting confused just by the plot synopsis that someone else wrote. <laughs> oh, no, I just can't say that word because I'm bad at reading. It further reflects on life, dreams, and God's plan in a seemingly increasingly chaotic world. In some ways, the film is political. It describes... <laughs> 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 it describes how fate sees the political landscape, people fighting for no reason, a nation without hope, governments that cannot be trusted. But at the same time, fate makes it clear that he was always a singer and maybe no more than that. He produces no solutions to any of the problems the film presents. Rather, he makes it clear that he stopped trying to figure everything out a long time ago. I stopped trying to figure out things a long time ago. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say sure. <laughs> that's, that's. I will say all the character names in this film are fantastic. Yeah. What are the character names? Uh, Uncle Jack Fate. I have it right here. Yeah, I have it right Let's let. Nope, nope. No, I want to see if Jer- what Jeremy yeah, can yeah, do yeah. off the dome. Yeah, All no, right. absolutely. There's Jack Fate. Ding. Played by. Played by Bob Dylan. That's right. There's Uncle Sweetheart. Played by. John Goodman. That's correct. America's Sweetheart. Um, <laughs> yeah. King Ralph himself. Mickey Rourke is in it. Uh, yep. Who, who does he play? <laughs> um, the the right. correct answer is Edmund. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Nina Veronica is a character, but I forget who. Penelope plays Cruz her. is that her? Uh, no. Yes, no, Jessica Lang. Oh, um, which by the way, this has a stat cast. It, a it huge. does. Oh, Jeff Bridges is Tom Friend. That's right. Which is ironic because his character not a friend friends before we get into this movie <laughs> i need to bring up a grievance that yes, i have with this movie let's clarify we have not started talking about the movie <laughs> no, just okay, yet no. hang on before we start it's gonna come up i do not approve of the blackface in oh. this film <laughs> oh yeah ed harris is in blackface doesn't need to be there. Ed who Harris is also in this movie, too. Uh, who does he play? Oscar Vogel. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, the, the names are just coming How at you. How do you know this? Because he really, he really enjoys it. I do. I've, <laughs> I've studied Roger Ebert's review of this <laughs> 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 times. Which, if I'm not mistaken, was a half star? He gave it a half star. <laughs> he called it a vanity project beyond all reason. Oh, this <laughs> is a vanity project? <laughs> <laughs> Any... Bob Dylan playing a guy named Jack Fate. <laughs> He's playing a one-man benefit concert to save the world. All you have to say is there's a character named Uncle Sweetheart. Yeah. Uncle, <laughs> Swe- yeah. Uncle Sweetheart is one of my favorite character mm-hmm. names of any movie ever made. And that's the truth. Okay, so Jeremy... <laughs> How much do you think this movie made in the box office? One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> went, did it go to theaters? It did. Yeah. Oh, it went wow. to theaters. It's got the Sony Pictures classic oh, logo yeah. at the top. Of course I it did. feel like it didn't make more than like 250000 Well. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I am. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Aaron, go ahead and guess. Uh, 2003. I'm going to say $750,000. Kenny? Thousand or dollars? <laughs> it made thousand. Hold on, let me guess. I thought you just did. No, I was clarifying Aaron's guess. Oh, okay, I see. <clears throat> My guess is a handful of buttons. Yeah. Mm. So, and some beef Kenny, jerky. Kenny, Kenny is correct. No, it made five hundred forty-six thousand one hundred six dollars. Oh, we're playing prices uh, right rules. I lost. How much uh, did it cost? Uh, I was looking for that, but couldn't find it. Keep vamping. I'll figure it out. That, um, in all honesty, I feel like it was because it was it made that much. The only reason I thought it was going to go a little bit higher was just because this it's kind of a trick. Apparently, the cast worked for free because they just what? wanted to be in, in the same room as Bob Dylan. Yeah, like it's a you can yeah. tell it's just friends, and it looks like it got filmed in twenty minutes because it's just a bunch of friends yes. hanging yeah. out. 
Like and like the star power behind this is enormous. It is. Mickey Rourke, Bob Dylan, you got uh, John Goodman, Jeff Bridges. You got Jake from Becker. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know who that is. Jake from Becker. Where my Beck heads at? Apparently, this movie was funded by BBC. Oh yeah. Jake from Becker. Come on. You're playing solo, bud. I'll yeah. So here here's a question: Bob Dylan, does he give a good performance? In this film, um, one of my personal favorite Bob, and I'm just want to like put off the bat. I know he's like an American icon. I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan. I couldn't tell you a song. I know he's an American icon. Cool, um, but when he's dialing the phone, I don't know why that kind of bugged me. Because like you can see like his neck muscles like popping out. He's like, and he's like doing it with such force. I'm like nobody. Do-. And when he knocks on the door, like he tries to make it look natural, yeah. and it just. He's, uh, I don't know if he knows how to be a normal person. The best is when he punched somebody. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, uh, uh, first off, uh, James, can we establish the three rules that Guilty Treasures? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of Plays course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, first rule, as we know, no dunking. Everyone knows what that means. We all know what it means. Can I no. dunk on the blackface in this movie? Because it doesn't I feel like that's yes. okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Uh, oh, that's yeah. not dunking. That's just point out problematic. Yeah, stuff. let's add another asterisk <laughs> uh, because yeah, we ahead. have established in previous episodes you are allowed to dunk donuts. Mm. Yep, and we can dunk on racism, of which I think this movie is quite racist. And, and I think we made the first rule because the first asterisk because of you of the Dunkin' Donuts because we made us watch Carpool. <laughs> yeah. and, the, yeah. and there was a, yeah. The, so, so you're responsible for the asterisks. <laughs> Jeremy yeah. is responsible for all the asterisks. Uh, number two, no ironic liking. We're not here to celebrate the room or birdemic or something that's so bad it's good. That's not what we do. We like things because we like things. We love what we love because we love them. And number three... No self-deprecating. You are a worthy human being, and you deserve love like everyone else. Gosh darn it. Uh, I think I got to break rule number two. Mm. Because this movie is so bad, it's good. Uh-oh. But, okay, so how do we rule number two? Because, like, I, how do we not... I just pronounced it. All right. But... <laughs> <laughs> so it's your rationale for liking it. This, this movie is an utter catastrophe. <laughs> but uh, unlike unlike Living Wake, uh, which is trying to Living uh, Wake was great. No, uh, <laughs> it's trying to be it's, something it's, it's not. Fantastic. Is that what you're trying to get at? Living Wake is trying to be clever. It's trying to be funny. It's trying to be. It's trying to say something. And Masked and Anonymous is a genuine art house film. People say, "Oh, Roma's an art house film." Uh, this other film is an art house. I, for some reason, I can't think of any yeah, other art house. <coughs> but was it? This movie is a honest to god art house film. Yeah, but Living Wake was making fun of these movies. There was no satire intended at all. Hmm. I, now, now that I, those I mean, words left, I, I that might be incorrect. Can I yeah, disagree with Kenny? Yes, of I course. say it's not so bad. It's good. I think it's a misguided good movie that. Wants to be great. It kind of falls victim to first movie syndrome, where it's the first movie of a director, mm. and they Donnie Darko has this as well, where they yeah. try to cram every idea they've ever had for a movie into one movie because they're afraid that they'll never get a chance to make another movie again. That's that's interesting that you said Donnie Darko, because in my notes I wrote this movie as like Jim Jarmusch meets Southland Tales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like Larry Charles... Um, actually, what's interesting is... There's a story that Larry Charles has told on a podcast that uh, he met Bob Dylan in, like, the late 90s because Bob Dylan became obsessed with slapstick comedy and wanted to make a slapstick comedy TV series. And they pitched it to HBO. He was really excited about what? it. And apparently Bob Dylan brought out, like, a box Filled with scraps of paper with words like <laughs> Uncle Sweetheart written on it. 
and he told Larry Charles, I don't know what to do with this stuff. And um, and so Larry Charles helped him like flesh out a slapstick TV show, and they sold it to HBO. And then they're walking out of the walking out of the HBO offices, and uh, um, Bob Dylan just looks at Larry Charles and he's like, "I don't want to do this anymore." So I feel like masked and anonymous. I don't know. Maybe it would have been better as like a slapstick comedy TV series. I don't know. Uh, that would have that would have made it into a straight up catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's just asking too much. Yeah, because this movie is already. <laughs> so, I want you all to guess the budget on this. Just, uh, 20, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. Twenty million. Okay. Kind well, of, they work for Aaron. free. No, no, no. Aaron, what's your guess? It is a podcast, so you do have I'm to I'm going to say... No, Aaron, take your time. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> cling take, cling take. Okay, I'm going to say... I'm keeping everything in there. I'm going to say 9.8. What? Million. <laughs> okay. Kenny? Just two million. $7.5 million. Dang it, I keep overshooting mm. it just enough. Yeah, $20 million probably wasn't... Uh, yeah. This movie cost seven point million dollars. I mean, I would. And it only it made five hundred thousand. There were a lot of extras that it pretty much just took place in one location, and that location was very elaborate, which was the yeah. like warehouse place where they were holding the concert. There was a lot going on in that one location. Yeah, and there was a lot of costumes. There I was. <sighs> Gandhi, there was Abraham Lincoln, the Pope was there. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I've got to talk about this because, uh, James, yep. we're not going to dunk on you like the Independence Day podcast. <laughs> Thank you. But you have not seen this movie. <coughs> no, I, yeah, no. Because I'm a bad person. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to spend $30. Uh, <laughs> does any of this make sense? No. Like, I, I, okay, so. I couldn't find it online, but I did watch the trailer online, and I watched one scene that Jeremy recommended to me, which was the animal handling scene. Yeah, that's the one. Oh man, I my, well, my, this is like, is like that scene is interesting because it's clearly they he just spliced like twelve takes of him. Yeah, yeah, it same. was <laughs> very rough editing. Just, that's my second favorite scene because even, yeah. it's a scene that is so weird. Even Bob Dylan is going like, okay, man, chill <laughs> out. You can tell that he's going, Val's taking it a little bit too far. Well, it, it felt very improvised. Yeah. I don't think there was a script for that scene. No, there's got to be. Cause I the, don't know, man. I don't know if there was a script for maybe like much a, of this film. Maybe like a beat sheet? No, it's but it's it's so stylized. That's so. true, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like they just kind of – Gave Val Kilmer a script, but Val Kilmer's around the deck. He's he he's not making much. He's like, I'm gonna just have fun with this. Sure. Bob. I, yeah. Him and Bob Dylan on a one on a first name basis. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Bob, let's just kill it together. And then he's just going at it. And then we got the wonderful, yeah. delightful. I I it really was really spliced together, but I couldn't stop. I love I love that scene. What's your what was your favorite scene in the movie? Oh, it's it's. Uh, it's it's Chris Penn and Christian Slater. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. Uh, where Christian Slater goes, do you ever notice that your dreams can last so <laughs> long, uh, but in reality it only lasts a second? And Chris Penn saying the only honest line in the movie goes, not really. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite scene is when Bob Dylan says to John Goodman, he's like, hey, do you know about cellulose? And John Goodman's like, cellulose what's that and bob dylan's like well it's in the grass cows can eat it but you can't and then he gets up and as he's walking towards the door he just he turns back and says and neither can i that was made me laugh really hard i didn't i didn't also but this is an audio podcast but he kept (laughs) 
striking he kept striking this weird pose where he would put his leg on top of something and then put his arms almost kind of like like a mountain man you know what i'm talking about like he I, kept, i'm familiar with the concept of yeah. that. almost <laughs> captain morgan in it yeah pretty almost. much yeah. Uh, but not quite because one of the first things that I noticed is that all of the liquor names were close, but not quite. Yeah. There was uh, Jim Daniels Whiskey. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't notice that at all. Jim Daniels. Uh, <laughs> I just saw the Jim Daniels one. There's more? Uh, Gabriel Espero <laughs> something or other. I, I know alcohol connoisseur. Uh, which just leads me to believe that there are other brand name alcohols that are just kind of almost, yeah. The, uh, but I, I think what I couldn't stop with this one is it, it's just weird that Bob Dylan's in it and he's just yeah. doing like what I'd imagine Bob Dylan things, and his mustache kept driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a good mustache. Yeah, it was like it was. I think at least a million was for that barber to keep that close <laughs> yeah. of a shave. It, but it was uh, it was a distracting film, <laughs> to say the least. What did you think of the music? Because I really like the version of Cold Irons Bound, but I don't know if it needed Dixie in it. it that was seemed out of place, the song Dixie. Look away, look away. Copyright. Yeah. It's uh, no, that song is not copyrighted at all. Bob uh, Dylan copyright. copyrighted it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, th- uh, this movie's racist, right? It is. <laughs> uh, it let's like, let's put the blackface aside because that just proves the outright racism. Yeah. Uh, but the villains of the movie are all people of color. Ooh. True. So this was a post nine eleven. Uh, oh, you think you mean post Y two K? Yeah, you're right. Post Y two K movie. Where, as we know, thing. the uh, never forget January one two thousand. <laughs> the day I saw Fantasia two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> she should do the day that America episode. lost its innocence. Yeah, uh, the day that Fantasia two thousand came out. <laughs> I it, it, there was a certain group of extremists in another country who s- tried to start the Y2K. Sure. Was that the villain in this the same No, it was Okay. Uh because they're the the heads of the, ne- the this is a very multicultural film, but mm-hmm. also all of the protagonists, all of the all of all of the people that we follow are white. And it's apparently and a South American country. Uh, no, it's a North American Yeah, country. it was North American. But I thought it, it was gave, South American. It, yeah, it gave like a South America vibe. But anytime sorta. they cut to some sort of dictatorial authority figure, they were always a person of color. Who? Be it the network executives who were three militant black men. And the dictator who was asleep, who was obviously... Yeah. Well, he was, was dying. Jack Fate's father, but yeah, and also Mickey Rourke's father. Oh, was, yeah, uh, yeah. Mickey Rourke. Bob Dylan and Mickey back. Rourke are brothers in this movie. <laughs> in, the way they looked, it was not far. From, yeah, I could. Yeah, it's I, true. Of all of the things that are unbelievable, I accepted that was it. Not. Yeah. The most. I mean, it could be a real life thing too. They could be brothers. I don't know. They're, sure, they they they've lived a hard life. They yeah. Yes, I feel like Mickey Rourke hadn't had plastic surgery yet. Uh, of course, not as yeah. much. Not as much. Yeah, I think that's it was pre-Sin <laughs> was... City and pre the wrestler. Yeah, because I was looking yeah. at Mickey Rourke and going, "Your lips look normal at this point." <laughs> Mickey Rourke makes every movie. I'm better. dunking. I, I just dunked. Oh, oh Penny. buddy. There's thirty dollars. So much money on this podcast. <laughs> well, you dunked on what, Mickey? I just Rourke? dunked on Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Well, no, you were just yeah. making an observation. No, I that, think was that's yeah. that was dunking. That was dunking. That so, was dunking. Dunking. Yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. Great for the Austin Creative Alliance, to which all of our penalty money goes to. Yeah. It's uh, but yeah, very of, of which problematic movie. Um, very much so. Um, Look, I. It's either the people of color are villains or they're objects because there's something that goes on with black women in this movie, and I 
know that they're sexualized. I don't know what else. But you feel like something else is there. They bothered to hire Angela Bassett for a role that she doesn't. Does she have any lines? Um, I don't know. I want to say yes, but maybe she is too. She her character name is Mistress. Oh, if that tells you anything. Sure, great, (laughs) wonderful. Real quick, can we just get into when did you first see this movie? Yeah, let's ask the first question. That, that's what I'm really curious about because... Oh, yeah, we've actually been talking about the movie. <laughs> yeah. My interest in this film was first peaked in 2003 when I was reading Roger Ebert's coverage of Sundance that year. And apparently during this movie, Bob Dylan came out to extreme applause like before the movie came out, uh, before the movie before the movie started, oh, then it ended and nobody applauded. And they did a Q and A where Larry oh. Charles and Bob Dylan went on stage, and apparently Larry Charles said, "So anybody got any questions? Anyone? Anyone? Because nobody, nobody, nobody was." Um, had questions and Roger Ebert basically made it sound like the worst movie ever made and that just made me want to see it so I I finally saw it in 2005 I think on the independent film channel Wow! and I I enjoyed it oh man that's a perfect IFC circuit that era movie oh man it was so yeah I saw it then I was in high school then. I enjoyed it. Um and but even then I recognized that it's not it's <laughs> not perfect. I really feel like this movie would have been better as either a short film or as like a 3-hour movie. And the reason <laughs> Oh my lord. <laughs> because it just You're not wrong. It feels very <laughs> overstuffed. And there were times when I wanted the movie to breathe a bit more, like when Mickey Rourke is giving the speech, like his president. Mickey Rourke plays the president in this movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When he gives... Well, only in the last five minutes. He becomes the president. Yeah, he does be... But his, like, like, presidential address is, like, cut to shreds. And it would have been cool to see that entire uh, speech... And also when the little girl is singing uh, the times they are a changing would have been cool to see the uncut version of that. No, 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 <laughs> no, because I was I, I, I was hopping a bop into the film's wavelength. Uh, sure. And then that happened and everyone is transfixed by the magic of a little girl singing. The times they are a change, and, and I, I threw a table out of my window. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, and I punched a cat. Bob Dylan owes you a table, then. Yeah. And a cat. And a cat. So were they yeah. trying to get Bob Dylan to just be like a? Because up to this point, he really just did documentaries, right? He. What is what? What is the context of Bob Dylan's career up to this this point? Where was he in two thousand three? I think this I I am not a Bob Dylan I'm not like a huge Bob Dylan fan. I just I really like this but you're movie. A, you're a writer die for masculine anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie and I like I'm not there way more. In fact, I'm not there is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's my favorite music bi- biopic of all time. And um but yeah, so for whatever reason, I like Bob Dylan more in movies. <laughs> but I think around this time, he had released, he released like three, those three albums, The Time Out of Mind, The Modern Something, Modern Times. Is that what it was? I, I, I'm looking at Mo- Modern Something. I want to say Modern Romance, but that's not it. It's modern times, probably, and then some other album, and people were like, whoa, man, Bob Dylan is back. He's released these three amazing albums. And And he's in this movie. Yeah, so also what's interesting is in the 2000s, you had this movie, you had two years later in 2005, you had uh, Scorsese's uh, No Direction Home, which was a documentary, and then two years after that, you had I'm Not There. 
And that is kind of Bob Dylan's like cinematic legacy in like three movies. And I really was not a Dylan fan before I saw Mastin Anonymous, but now now I'm still not like a huge fan. But he, I think as a person, he's fascinating. As an icon, as an American icon, he's fascinating because I feel like, and this is what I'm not there is about, um, unlike most celebrities, unlike most like icon, iconic people, he doesn't really have a persona. Like he just kind of, like he shapeshifts, what? right? Bob Dylan absolutely has a persona. What are you talking about? He's well, like the drifter he, poet. That's yeah. how I see him. But he started off as like the protesty guy, and then he became the electric guy, and then he became a Christian guy, and then 80s happened, and then he did Master. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my summation of his career. So I looked up a Bob Dylan timeline of his career uh, on ThoughtCo. Can you do it in song? Uh, uh, in 2001, Dylan wins. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've got a 2001 and a 2004. 2003 is not on here, surprisingly, because mm. that's when Mass Anonymous <laughs> came out. Should be on Everyone here. Everyone wants to forget this happened. <laughs> so in 2001, two years earlier before this movie, Dylan wins an Academy Award and an Oscar for his song, Things Have Changed which he penned a year earlier for director Curtis Hansen's The Wonder Boys soundtrack. Oh, things the, have changed. The album Love and Theft is released to That's a flood it. of praise. Now, Flood of praise just makes it sound like everybody's jerking off <laughs> on him. <laughs> 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 Love and Theft. Uh, and then, so a year after this movie, in 2004, Dylan scores the music for a Victoria's Secret lingerie ad sparking all new controversy soon publishing his memoir chronicles volume one. Oh yes the, I remember that. the book climbs to number two on the new york times bestseller list meanwhile martin scorsese's four-hour documentary no direction home hits the screen exploring dylan's life and career until 1966 it's a good documentary and then i'm not there comes out and if you have if you've seen Mastin Anonymous and you like it, <laughs> you should see I'm Not There. And if you hate it, you should also watch I'm Not There. <laughs> I'm Not There is better than Mastin Anonymous in every possible way. But So it's not racist. Not to my knowledge. <laughs> not to my recollection. But I am white if you if you can't tell. <laughs> By oh the sound God. of my voice. <laughs> by Jeremy, pull up. <laughs> I'm not wearing pull ups. I got underwear uh, oh on. Oh my God. <laughs> Feel like the podcast is getting derailed. <laughs> Bob Dylan. It's we don't, fine. We don't have rails on this podcast. Yes, we've got three strict rules. <laughs> Everything else is Did game. I dunk on anything? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, hosts, oh. The rules are not applicable to guests. They're only applicable to hosts. Mm. So, which is why Austin Creative Alliance got sixty dollars last week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Bo yes, they Bob did. Dylan does reinvent himself, if you want to get that way, because yeah. he was very. I don't know a lot about him, but I do know he was big in the sixties. He, the, he was the big protester, anti-war guy. Right. And then he did get more electric. And then did he do anything in the eighties? I know, yeah, I feel like that was his Christian period. Like, he became, he, like, converted to Christianity and released a bunch of, like, Because did he have a drug, a drug phase? I don't think so. Really? I, feel I like, don't think so. Because I feel like if you were an artist in the 60s and then you went to a Christian phase, you might have. Yeah. From, from I feel like if you just look at Bob Dylan, he probably <laughs> went through a drug phase at some point. See, I was going to say that, but I was afraid of if that's dunking territory. But you've already dunked. You're I think... You should feel free to donate $30. I know in... I'm too poor right now. <laughs> I am too! I know in, Same like, days. the Rules 60s, he had a motorcycle accident. 
Oh. And may have, and that was that like caused him to become reclusive, according to I'm not there. So that's kind of like his Stephen King accident moment. Yeah. Okay. Has but, anybody at this table seen I'm not there? No, no. I've never heard of it until you right should, now. You should watch it. It's amazing. It's it, whenever it came out, it, it kind of. It, it made such a tiny splash. People were not sure what to make of it. Right. And then I think uh, it's it's been reapproached as one of the best biopics really? ever. Oh, yeah. Just because it's such a non-traditional biopic because yeah. biopics are so formulaic. It's six now. different people playing Bob Dylan. Um that, like different stages in his life, the w- the name Bob Dylan is never actually said, um, but it's it's yeah it's worth watching. But we're not here to talk about I'm not there now, are we? I mean, we can. No, not really. <laughs> well, what, what's the second question? Uh, technically, that was the second question. The first question is uh, why do you like this? No. Why do I? <laughs> <laughs> I just. You know, sorry. Can I can I get a take two on that? That sounded very judgmental. Cool. Uh, take Aaron, two. Keep this in. Uh, <clears throat> Jeremy, why do you like why do you like this guilty treasure? <laughs> I can't do it. I just now now I'm in my head. Jeremy, tell us why you like this guilty treasure. Oh, I didn't like that line reader yeah. either. Uh, Mastin okay. Anonymous is a movie that look, it's not perfect. <laughs> it's maybe not even good, but I. We'll always defend a movie like Mastin Anonymous that's actually trying to do something that is non-traditional, that's actually trying to like go outside the box in some way, even if it fails. You know, this is a movie that took many improv classes. It's <laughs> <laughs> good with failure. Ooh, I can relate uh, to that, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, I'd rather watch, like, Mastin Anonymous than, like, a competent movie made competently that doesn't really, that's like not really trying to do much. I will say that Synecdoche, which is my favorite movie of all time, you can write that down, is a movie, (laughs) Kenny's actually writing it down. Um, That is a movie that succeeds. I feel like it's very similar to Mastin Anonymous. and it succeeds at where Mastin Anonymous fails. So I'm going to go back to your guess of the budget for Mastin Anonymous. Yeah. Um, because somehow you tapped into your favorite movie, I'm Not There, which <laughs> its budget was $20 million. Yeah. So Whoa. good job. Thank you. That Wow. Thank yeah. you very much. So you know the budget of that one, but not Mastin Anonymous. Yes. It's, Way to tap into the ether. Because I, I do want to talk about the language that this movie uses, not the literal language, but the darn filmmaking techniques, because it's clear that this is a screenplay written by Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote it under a pseudonym, Sergei Petrov. Wow. Is, he's credited as Sergei Petrov. Uh, and be, because I this is a catastrophe no doubt but this is a catastrophe <laughs> that like Jeremy said it swings for the fences yeah. it's outrageously deliberate in 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 terms of its language uh, it's muddled as all get out and it's certainly not effective in whatever it's trying to say but it's muddling it within its very own clear rules as obscured as those rules are it's so completely opaque yeah. Uh, and I was trying to break this down into normal screenwriting rules or average screenwriting rules of which this movie adheres to absolutely none of them. <laughs> are you talking about like three-act structure or uh, where are you? <laughs> it's just basic scene structure. Oh, sure. Uh, because nothing makes sense. Everything is this odd, slanted Shakespearean type of cadence. Uh, but where Shakespeare has intent that is understandable due to scholars being able to see what its meaning is. The meaning is very deliberately left to the viewer. That uh, that That is within the text of Masked and Anonymous. So, and do you think that has anything to do with the fact of Larry Johnson? Uh, the fact that, like, Larry Johnson's coming off Seinfeld, 
Seinfeld, for the most part, is... I got to stop you. Larry because you, you've already modeled. You're thinking of... Uh, no, Larry Johnson's a producer. What? Uh, yeah. Let me... Who is Larry Johnson? I don't know. I'm Larry Johnson. Oh, I'm Larry. here. There's Larry. Charles, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Larry Charles. Larry Charles. Okay. Did Larry Charles work on Seinfeld? He yeah. did. He was, he was a he producer. Was, he's a Seinfeld writer... And after Mass and Anonymous, he made Borat. And then Bruno. But, like, with all those, there's kind of just – excuse me again, Larry uh, Larry Charles, Charles, not Johnson, Larry Charles. Um, Larry Bird. (laughs) (laughs) Because I thought you were talking about Larry David. No. Also, I've been thinking about that this guy is Larry Clark. <laughs> so no one knows who this He's is. He's got two very general names, which makes it difficult. Well, Larry I'm and very Charles. jealous of Larry Charles's beard and hat. He's got some cool hair too, right? He does. But like, you're looking at in the scope of someone's everyday life. With Seinfeld, you, there's no the, the structure is hey, this is what they did today, and which then is funky music. Yeah, and which is kind of this one, Mass mm-hmm. and Anonymous, and not Masked and Anonymous. It's just like, hey, you just caught a glimpse of this life, right? This this day, mm-hmm. and I think that's where I'm getting the tone a little bit because he also worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He worked on Bruno Borat. Wherever he, there's there's no structure, it's just kind of like, hey, let's just unroll this piece of fabric and hope we get something out of it. Yeah, but there's structure in Seinfeld. Yeah, and I and I do see the structure in Masked Anonymous. I, I feel like Larry Charles's role in this movie, and certainly I have no idea. I should go home and listen to the audio commentary on the DVD, of which there is one. I'm is, so, Bob, is Bob Dylan on the commentary? I have the faintest idea. I flipped over for, to to it during some musical performance because I needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> look aw- so you literally look away, look away. <laughs> Uh, and I heard someone, and they were coherent, and I went, that's not Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you imposter. Uh, they, I, I genuinely hit a breaking point, which I've never – I recently I watched all of the Star Wars films. That's true. <laughs> and I did not hit a breaking point. Really? Even in the prequels? Well, I, I hit a breaking point in the sense that I needed to go to sleep at some point. Sure. Uh, but with this movie, an hour and a half in, I was my head was genuinely, literally hurting. How long is this movie? It's an hour and forty something minutes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I only had ten to twelve more minutes, and I went, I can't. Should have been <laughs> longer. Should have been longer. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's too stuffed. Which, and again, I was, I was, I was going. I see what you're doing. It's terrible, but I see exactly what you're doing. Uh, but I, I was genuinely, I it, it was like my head was filled with aggressive clouds. Aggressive <laughs> clouds. That sounds like a line in this movie. <laughs> Another good line in this film was, uh, which does sound like a Bob Dylan lyric, is when John Goodman says, um, "As long as I keep talking, I know I'm still alive." That made me laugh. That oh, yeah. is an interesting philosophy of life. Yeah. So, J- John Goodman rules. In, well, everyone rules in this movie, but John Goodman rules in this Yeah, he gives he's the best in character. Yeah. John yeah. Goodman is just a great actor. He's America's sweetheart. King Ralph himself. Because this, <laughs> this, this dialogue is unsayable. <laughs> yeah. And he, he says, says it. it. He says it. Yeah. Oh, man, I just love him so much. Yeah. He, is really he, he does stuff with college humor. <laughs> he just—he's just a. He does. Of, yeah, he played a. Uh, he played Uncle Sweetheart. <laughs> no, I almost had it. Colonel Sanders. Oh, okay. Yeah, he yeah, played yeah, Colonel Sanders, where he's mocking uh, Chick Fil A. What sure. if Uncle Sweetheart became the new KFC spokesperson? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of what ifs, uh, my my second note here, uh, and I, Aaron's Aaron's going to be pleased by this. Mm-hmm. Um, because this film is set in a post-apocalypse, sure. Uh, and John Goodman is dressed very much like a Vegas lounge singer, <laughs> ruffled shirt and all. Uh, I I posit to you, yeah, James Fight. Yep, that's me. Owner James of FlatFilms.com. Please go to the URL. Won't, uh, won't do anything. Please go to the URL. That's this. Won't do anything. Uncle Sweetheart. Yeah, is the nom de plume. 
that has <laughs> that this character has been forced after his abdication of the throne has caused absolute <laughs> worldwide chaos. That's right. I posit that this is a King Ralph sequel. I'm pretty oh. sure Bob Dylan probably watched King Ralph during his slapstick <laughs> phase. <laughs> if he was in his slapstick phase and you go, John Goodman was great in King Ralph. <laughs> he was great in King Ralph. He was great in King Ralph. But he had, he, some really, this. he had some really good stuff in between that, but I really just wanted Bob Dylan just to be like, you know... That King Ralph guy, what's his name? Like, he didn't know his name. He's just like, give me that guy. And I'm like, I mean, he's kind of a hot commodity. I, I hope like, on set he called him Ralph. <laughs> but think about it. And they he, had Schlitz. Yeah. <laughs> he's even schlubbier than he is in King Ralph. He's an aged Ralph. He's like, an, you're not wrong. He's an aged Ralph. <laughs> he's returned to the only lifestyle that he's known. <laughs> Which is being a great Vegas lounge singer. The world is in chaos. <laughs> I mean, that's what the the end of King Ralph is. He goes back to America. Yeah, and now that the royal monarchy has been turned completely on its head, England, there's no. F- <laughs> <laughs> it just gets better the more you dig up. <laughs> uh, the British people surely revolt because they're going. Well, if the monarchy can this easily be infected by this insipid American, then why do we adhere to this false system of government, nay, not even government, but this thing that is left over? Suddenly Britain revolts in a Brexit-type situation. And he runs away to South America. (laughs) 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 The only sensible thing to do. England, because of the neo uh, fascist movement that has risen up due to the conservative movement uh, or, or some sort of right-wing militant movement wouldn't necessarily be conservative because the conservative movement would adhere to the monarchy but some sort of conservative some sort of right-wing militant movement going we need to t- make Britain great again for this ourselves. This movie was a, was a warning. <laughs> it was a precursor for 2019. <laughs> uh. Uh, what'd you so think good. of uh, Giovanni Ribisi's monologue on the bus? Insane. Yeah. I think that was the point where I was going, oh, every speaking role in this movie would be filled with someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Dern had like three lines. Yeah. Jeff Bridges was. Uh, this is Jeff Bridges pre comeback, too. That's true. It was mm. post Lebowski. He had short hair. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Hold the phone. <laughs> short he, hair. He never has short hair. Um, yeah, I uh, trying. Th- There's just the. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy, let, let me ask you one more question. Yes. What does this guilty treasure mean to you? <laughs> Means everything, man. Yeah. No, it. You know, it. I wouldn't call it a formative movie, but it's a movie I saw in high school. Yeah. As I was discovering my film identity. Sure. That it's one of my. It's a movie that I will never forget. <laughs> and I don't. I think that people who hate it will never forget it. You know, like I think about it often. And when somebody asks, like, what's a movie that everybody hates that you'll defend? I always mm. think of Mastin Anonymous. It's always the first movie that comes to mind. I mean, to be to be completely honest, this is a big movie in high school. Yeah. Like this is like if, the, if you're trying to find your cinematic identity. Yeah. It sounds heady. This is. You're like, whoa! You can make movies like this. Like, yeah. I, like kudos. First of all, that's what Fight Club was for me. Because your name's <laughs> in the title. That's right. <laughs> that was the intro. So he, here's another question: Do you think this movie is funny? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a leading question. <laughs> Are there jokes? I yeah. Uh, there, there's the one joke with Christian Slater and Chris Penn. <laughs> oh, there's the oh there. The man-eating chicken. Oh, I completely forgot about that. And I I saw that and I went, I see why Jeremy likes this movie. (laughs) Here's here's an interesting thing about that moment. I wrote this on Facebook a few days ago. But um, so there's a scene where Bob Dylan sees a sign that says man-eating chicken. 
and there's like some curtains. You're supposed to go inside. You think it's a giant man-eating chicken, but no, you go inside. <laughs> and it's just a human being eating like fried chicken. <laughs> this same joke was done in the 1994 <laughs> film The Little Rascals. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> so also during a slapstick period, Bob Dylan probably watched The Little Rascals. It was like, yeah. Cold. I wish my hair could flip up like <laughs> like alfalfa. Uh. I just want to hang out with Bob Dylan <laughs> for a good day. That'd be cool. It's Watch a, the little rascals with him. And King Ralph. It's just, insane yeah. that your introduction to Bob Dylan <laughs> was masked and anonymous. Yeah, like I saw this movie. I'm like, this is... Bob Dylan guy is interesting because like before that, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you're going to hate me friends. I'm not really a Beatles fan. And I kind of put Bob Dylan in like the Beatles, um, like the Beatles camp where just this iconic musician that like dads are into. <laughs> um, but then I saw Mastin anonymous. I'm like, this guy is insane i gotta gotta check out what else he, he does <laughs> and then i saw the scorsese documentary and i'm like yeah this this is and then i saw i'm not there so clear i didn't go through puberty i went through bob dylan movies <laughs> that would be like finding out about george lucas through thx 1138 <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like what he made a movie for kids <laughs> American Graffiti? Yeah. He's just like, oh, okay. This guy can do some stuff. What about finding out about Francis Ford Coppola through Captain EO? (laughs) (laughs) If you just really dialed on to Coppola because of Jack. (laughs) You're just like, hold on. He made a a gangster movie? Hold on. He made three of them? Why? Why? Jack is terrible. (laughs) But I I guess I have 12 hours to kill. (laughs) Jack is another movie. I don't like it, but I'll never forget it. So. There There you go. That's all I want in a movie is I want to be able to remember it like Coco commands us. You know, I want to remember the movie I'm watching. I want to be able to like years from now still use it as a reference point and not, you know, not a movie that's that I'm going to forget like in the lobby. So it doesn't fade into the spirit world yes similar to coco great movie by the way yep much better than mass or not i can only imagine i, I want to talk about this aspect uh this being a bob dylan vanity project uh <laughs> hey james hey uh because there are vanity projects that certainly how do I find the words for this? Because for some reason I don't. This well, feels like it. This this kind. And I could be incorrect. Please change my mind. That this is an egoless vanity project. How? Even how even though this it, is written in in Bob Dylan language, uh, and Bob Dylan has posited himself as the vehicle. Jack fate. As as fate. <laughs> um. Jack Fate. Are, are you getting it? And cut me off if I'm if I'm wrong. That this is like in the egoless project. Is it kind of like a buddy film? But these buddies are just really stacked stars, and they just work well together. And they just did this for free. Is I'm, that what you're getting at? I mean, I'm not even trying. But if it's a vanity project, it has ego. Yeah, but at the at the same time, this, there, there's some degree of this feels like Bob Dylan wanted to make a movie, as opposed to. Uh, s- films where Tom Cruise might position himself as uh, the the running thing with Tom Cruise films is that he's already excellent and the world just doesn't realize that he's excellent until yeah. everyone in the third act realizes that Tom Cruise has been excellent this whole time. It's trying to keep up, yeah. As opposed to Bob Dylan does play a musician. Bob Dylan does play a musician which uh, has world transformative properties, <laughs> but also. 
No, I think it's a very much of any project. I haven't seen it, but even based, <laughs> based on what everyone's telling me and uh, what has been said here, and the fact that he wrote himself as a musician that could change the world. But he doesn't change the world. Yeah, he doesn't change the world. The final line is, I stopped trying to figure stuff out a long time ago. Yeah, but now that you're saying that out loud, it makes me completely take back the last four minutes of what I've been talking about. So it's really just him coming to grips with the fact that he couldn't change the world the way he wanted to, and he wrote it in a screenplay. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, it feels like Bob Dylan going. Uh, everybody needs to think that I'm trying to change the world. I'm just a guy. I'm just a singer, man. So it's just Bob Dylan being self-important. Yeah, it's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Great, my mind has been changed. Because <laughs> uh, this movie could be, this movie could be much bigger. This movie could be much bigger and more expensive. Could have used more Cheech. They didn't have. Oh, Cheech. dude, for real, man. This is the yeah. only character that I bothered to remember what their name was. Prospero. Cheech, yeah, he plays Prospero, and I was yeah. like, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and speed, which foreshadowing for life because Bob Dylan later made an album called Tempest which had like a 25 minute song about the Titanic that's two chords what that everyone should listen to now I'm fine I'm interested <laughs> 25 minutes Maybe it's not that long, but it's really long. Because that's pressed. That's past Freebird, and man. T- Tim, it's actually 90 seconds, and but it just feels <laughs> like it's 25 t- only two Tim points. Heidecker made like a parody of it that's also worth listening to. That's on brand. Yeah. Um, uh, well, gang, how's everyone feeling? It's Jim Jarmusch meets Southland Tales. It's fair. Penelope Cruz, we love you. You're wonderful. Oh, yeah, she's in this movie. She's wearing a Metallica shirt at one point. Yes. Oh, that was another funny line from Ebert's review um, where he's like, Penelope Cruz at some point is talking to Gandhi and the Pope and says, I really love his songs because they're open to interpretation. And Roger Ebert said, I hated that she didn't turn to them and say, well, guys, what did you think? <laughs> Real quick, let's just go back to what she said. She's talking to Gandhi and, and the, the Pope. Pope. Yeah. And you just accept that because it's this movie and yep. it's wonderful. Oh my god. And you just kind of just take everything that it's throwing at you. And uh you know, let, let's rate it. I want I want to see Ebert gave it a half a star. Yeah. Kenny, how's this rank on your Kenny ranking scale? Uh, I gave it one star. Okay. Uh, because this is not – while this is a vanity project, and I've been persuaded to go that this is a vanity project born out of ego. A hundred percent. I do not think that this is a hateful film. Uh, I do not think that this is a, a film that is born out of any cynicism or uh, anything of, of that like, as opposed to my half-star films, which are trying to uh, out-clever the audience or is born out of some sen- misplaced sense of – uh, trying to fool someone or just showing really ugly sides of nature because you want to revel in the joy of the evilness. Yeah, I don't think Bob Dylan's like a cynical guy, even when he's like being angry because he has he had he had an angry period. That was was that after the slapstick or before? Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel angry. like he he really just wanted to just. Dabble in movies, yeah, and he just had some. He's Bob Dylan, so he can ask. Yeah, he wanted to ask stacked cast Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, because you know that's who was available to him. Luke Wilson is in it. Oh God, Luke Wilson. There's so much that we haven't covered. I know. Movie is so labyrinthine. It is, and Um, yeah. So like, I think. What What's your ranking, Aaron? Uh oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna say a fifty-five. So uh, I'm assuming out of 100? Out of 100. Okay. It's I'll, out of a 73-point <laughs> scale. <laughs> Let's go So it's it. pretty it's pretty up there. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, I'd rewatch it. Like, if I had a friend who was like, you know, we just had time to kill, and he was he or she was like, hey, what's, like, the weirdest thing you've ever seen? 
live and i'd be like hold on (laughs) pull up my prime account let's get into this this is streaming on prime if for free if you've got prime i like to imagine you with kaylee and you just go well we finally done it. We've watched all the movies. <laughs> and you go, not yet. I, She's like, wow, I'm tired. So Hold I, your horses. <laughs> I use the Roger E. I've, met, I've invoked Ebert so much, this podcast. Yeah, how dare you. But I use I use the four, the, his, his four-star scale. And on the four-star scale... I give it, I award it three stars. Wow. Recommended with the asterisk being that you will probably dislike it. Because it's it's racist. It's a three-star film with an asterisk that this is a half-star movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just three stars, asterisk. There's blackface, but it's three stars. It's bad. Yeah, and that... Yeah, Ed, that that scene made me dislike Ed because Ed Harris. But not this movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, because Ed Harris did that, but like several years either before or after this, Elia Kazan was getting an Oscar, and he like he made a big production of not standing and applauding, and he did like a really scowly face. And then he does blackface, so, you know. Hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, where can people find Hold you? Hold on, James. You haven't given your ranking of the movie. <laughs> uh, base- From everything that you've heard in the <laughs> yeah. past hour. Which, <laughs> sure. in all honesty, is not much for this film. Sure. There's a lot still. Yeah, we probably covered about five minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did see the trailer, and sure. I did watch that one scene with Al Kil- Kilmer. Right. Yep. So all of that, taking consideration, I would say I'd give it... Uh, like a, like a a hand wiggle, not a thumbs up, not a thumbs down, just a hand wiggle. Are you going to watch it? Uh, yeah. Once I find the time. <laughs> cool. So, so you're probably next week. Yeah, when I'm eighty-two, I'm gonna pull it up. I made this promise to Jeremy. <laughs> watch grandkids as we watch a movie oh, from God. my past. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, you can find me at my new home that I'm moving into. Address, please. Congratulations. What's, what's the address? You. What's um, yeah. you don't have to if you don't want to. It's, uh, <laughs> no, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Moranic Jeremy, and you should come to Anything Live every Thursday at the Institution Theater. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. for free. Even for- if you're from a different state. Come on down. Yes. Or from a different state of mind. Sorry, Bob Dylan is getting into my body. Please don't show up higher drunk. We don't want to kick you out. Nope. Never had to kick anyone out. Yeah. Well, not yet. Never will. Don't don't (laughs) tell people that. They're going to test us. Jeremy, they're going to test us. Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me at LaughingPanda5 on all the socials. Aaron Salinas on Facebook, Austin Amateurs on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I don't think I have any shows coming up. Kenny, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at the Institution Theater uh, tonight whenever this episode drops uh, because, uh, oh. yeah, we'll be doing a show as part of the Institution uh, 2 live crew. I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm in that with Kenny. Yeah, we well, got a show. Uh, additionally, you can find me on Twitter at my magic lesson on Facebook. Just look up Kenny Madison is cool, and you can also find me at my Letterboxd account where I'm the most active. <laughs> uh, Letterboxd.com/slash Kenny Madison is cool. I've got some cool lists. I list every movie that I watch. That's the kind of person that I am. He's got a list for uh, big people who don't rely on their big peopleness, and I like it. It's a good list. King Ralph. Uh, no, because King Ralph is schlubby. It's, yeah. uh, oh. uh, it's movies where there are fat people, but they are uh, competent and not depicted as schlubby, of which I have only seen five films. Which are? Ratatouille. Remember that nice. one. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay. Uh, because of Greg Grunberg sure. in that movie. Star Trek Beyond. Hmm. Um, oh, gosh. The Big Sick, but even that one is kind of... Uh, because uh, good movie. Yeah. Uh, because Aidy Bryant is kind of making jokes about her weight, 
which I don't qualify. And I would also count A Star is Born uh, in there mm. because Greg Grunberg is in that movie and he's quite competent. To miss something. What if Bob Dylan covered a Shallow? <laughs> that, that would actually kind of rule. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Friends. Uh, Where can we find you, James? Uh, oh, uh... You know, the flat films, uh, uh, flat films, all the social I'm media, on the deep end, uh, YouTube, which is on, on the flat films, YouTube. I'll never meet the ground, crash through the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, you can uh, visit James at the flat films website, flatfilms.com. It will not trick you Please anywhere. visit the URL. We're really depending on that traffic. You can also visit him at Anything Live every Thursday night at 8 p.m. And you you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash flatfilms, where you can get exclusive content related to the podcast and other hot tech from our parent company, Flatfilms. Tell me something, Gil. <laughs> Are you happy... Should we all sing along to nope. Shallow? Uh, I'm going to hard block that. We're four minutes over time. In the shallow. I don't want to make In the shallow. Stop. We have to end it. Don't forget to dig up those guilty treasures in Lum Shine. Okay, we're done. That sounds amazing through headphones.